This is an ABC podcast. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Do you believe in the saying, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else? We hear it all the time. It's in self-help books. It's in movies. It's in Insta quotes. It's in any homeware section and TV shows like RuPaul's Drag Race. It kind of implies that to be in a happy and healthy relationship, you need to love yourself first. But how true is that really? And if you don't love yourself right now, does that mean that you shouldn't be in a relationship? I'm Dee Salmon, filling in for Nat Tentich, and in this episode, we'll find out how much truth there is to those classic cheesy quotes, how a relationship can help you learn to love yourself, and if you're struggling with your self-worth, I've got some great advice coming your way. Do you remember that movie, The Perks of Being a Wallflower? Why do nice people choose the wrong people to date? We accept the love we think we deserve. Yeah, it was a great movie, but that line about self-love and self-worth in particular has become really, really popular and has been quoted heaps. Hookup listener Sarah even got in touch with us about it on our Instagram at Triple J The Hookup because she wanted to know whether there was actually any truth behind that iconic line. For most of her life, Sarah says she's really struggled with liking herself and she reckons it's because of that she ended up in a pretty shitty relationship. When we met, it started off really well, but I think both of us were not in a great place when we met and we maybe relied on each other to make us ourselves feel better. So, but when I got into the relationship further, he never made me feel very secure. Um, he would quite often say really degrading things to me, like my he wouldn't really support my goals. So if I told him my goals, he would just like laugh at me, say, oh, I don't think you could do that. Or, and, yeah, just things like that. And I, I accepted that and I just really wanted, I really wanted his approval um, and all of my self-worth I put into that relationship. But yeah, I didn't think I was any good. So that's the sort of love I think that I deserved. And then um, in the end, he ended up when he broke up with me and the reasons he gave were quite personal, like directed at me saying like my feelings have changed towards you and I just felt like I was so worthless and I remember saying when he broke up with me oh I'm so disgusting like why would you even want me anyway yeah so it's only reflecting back on that now that yeah I shouldn't have felt that about myself (laughs) yeah so I have been dating it took me a while to get back into it um, and I have met I have met some really nice guys yeah, since I've been dating, but I've found that often if someone's really nice to me, I'll be a bit freaked out. And I've sort of tried to analyze it and I'm like, oh, why am I freaked out? I think it's strange. And I'm like, oh, why would they like me? So I ended up pushing them away. Yeah, and then if someone seems not that interested in me, then that's when I'll I'll be a bit more interested, <laughs> which is silly. But I've just really yeah noticed that mindset, and it's only since I've started doing work on myself that yeah I've been coming to terms with that. So yeah, I'm not actually dating anyone at the moment. I'm still yeah I'm still not really sure who to let in. I'm still a bit confused because my judgments have been so off in the past. <laughs> So I've only really been able to start, yeah, liking myself since, yes, since I stopped drinking alcohol because I just felt that when I was when I was drinking, I wasn't the best version of myself. So now that I've got rid of that, I feel like I can actually be the best version of myself. So I've just been focusing on doing things that 
make me feel like me. Yeah, so that's things that I was into as a kid, um, which is like re like lots of reading, writing, just more creative things, which I let slip, I think. So yeah, and I just really surround myself with great friends and my family and yeah, practicing gratitude um, has really helped like journaling. Yeah, so that's really helped. But yeah, the main thing's been not drinking. <laughs> I think I'm just much more, I'm a much more authentic version of me. I think in the past I've forgot who I was. From now on, what I learned from my last relationship is that that made me feel small because I thought that I was small, not in a physical sense, but me as a person, I thought I was not really worth much. Um, so now I just want to be able to date people that make me feel big, like bigger than I think myself to be. So someone that will help me to be the best person I can be and I can help them be the best person. So I've always been really intrigued by the saying, we accept the love that we think we deserve. And yeah, I got that from one of my favourite movies, um, Hurts of Being a Wallflower. So I've definitely seen that in my own life. So I just yeah, want to see how much, how much truth there is to that. I guess that quote was kind of true for Sarah because she really didn't like herself back then and she thought that the way that she was being treated and spoken to by her ex was quote-unquote what she deserved. And yeah, like she said, when she was dating, if someone was really nice and interested in her, she pushed them away because she thought, well, why would they like me? But then, does telling someone that they accept the love they think they deserve put the blame on that person for attracting toxic people? And is that fair? Whether it's that line from The Perks of Being a Wallflower or if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love someone else? How much should we actually be using these quotes as mantras? You know, it's a really complex thing. And I think that, first of all, I suppose we've got to really unpack the idea of self-love. This is couples therapist Liz Neal. And yeah, like she just said, it's a lot more complicated than that. Liz reckons there's three different ways that we can understand self-love. So there's, there's a lack of self-love. There's authentic self-love and then there's inflated self-love. And so if we're talking about authentic self-love, then I think that the, the line can apply because if we know what we need, we are good at expressing what we need, we're good at asking for what we need and we're also good at saying no when, um, when we know things are not right for us, then, then that's, that's pretty good. And so, yes, you know, we'll be really good at identifying people who can come into our lives that are complementary to who we are and and yes that we deserve these good kinds of relationships i think the problem lies in those two kind of outlier categories where there is not enough self-love or um in uh inflated self-love because if there's not enough self-love then We'll need the supply to come from someone else. And when we need the supply of love to come from someone else, we tend to kind of do things to really hold on to it and to keep it. And we'll overlook downfalls and we'll overlook bad behaviour. Uh, we'll minimise those bad things because we really kind of want to hold on because we we we, we need that person there to, to continue, you know, us feeling good. And on the other side of things, when there's a inflated sense of self-love often will we kind of could be a little bit of a, a bull in a china shop it's like 
you know what, this is, I'm, I'm happy with who I am. I, I don't need to change. Even at the sort of ignoring of other people saying, you know what, these are some things that kind of upset me. So I think to come back to the point, I think that quote, to accept the kind of love you think you deserve, I think it probably only applies really when people have authentic self-love. And I think it's quite a dangerous statement to apply for those other categories where people are not giving themselves enough love and they're not confident enough in themselves because they're making bad decisions or on the other side where there's an inflated sense of self-love. Can it be limiting to hear that as well? Like if you do hear that and you might be struggling with a mental health issue, like, yeah, like you said, it's going to make you feel pretty shit. What about people who might never, ever get to that place? That's right. And I think that, so I think that that is often where people will accept things that are not good for them. So often where there's a sense of a bad self-image, there's two ways that can go. People will tend to accept bad behaviour from another person and they'll end up feeling worse. Um, People will put up with stuff. And we've heard that as a real theme through some of the callers. They've said, you know, I've put up with things that I wouldn't really usually actually in hindsight put up with. So when I asked you on our Instagram what you thought about whether or not you think you need to love yourself first before you can love someone else slash someone else can love you, and a lot of you said that you only learnt to love yourself when you got into a relationship. And yeah, Liz says, absolutely, that's how a lot of people can learn self-worth, seeing themselves through the loving eyes of someone else. But there is another side to this, and it's something that I do see with the couples that I work with, which is a really beautiful outcome, is that quite often people will come in, they are not feeling very good about themselves, but they find this partner, they struggle around a little bit because they're because they're not quite sure what to do and, and how to be in a good relationship. But as they grow together, they start to help each other develop a better sense of self-image So they become a better self because there's this fondness that is occurring. And and maybe people come into this place because they didn't get it in their earlier childhood experience, for instance. But they finally find someone who maybe isn't as secure as the most confident person, but through the developing sense of trust and the developing sense of supporting each other and the idea that they admire each other and they support each other to grow and they say you know what you should go to uni or you should complete your degree or you should actually maybe you should drop out and do something else like you know I believe in you where the I believe in you hasn't been heard before that actually actually can take people into a closer into the direction of a a better sense of self and a better sense of self-worth and a a more authentic sense of self-love. I think one thing that we do know for sure, though, is that getting to that place of self-love and self-worth, it's a journey and everyone's is so different. Some very rare people never lost it. They were born with it and they continue to love themselves throughout their lives. And, you know, some of us, well, we're still trying to get to that place. One thing that has been a huge part of helping people to learn to love themselves is music. True story. Artists like Lizzo are killing it right now with, you know, tracks like Good As Hell and Soulmate. And if you're a regular Triple J listener, you'd know Coda Banks. She's got this song. It's called I'm It. And I legit listen to it anytime I'm feeling shit about myself. I wake up every morning, tell 
So I had to chat to her about it. I um, had to ask her how it all came together and what her journey's been like when it comes to self-worth. It's been a rocky one, to say the least. I feel like that's every woman in their 20s journey with (laughs) self-love. I wrote a song when I was 22-ish called I'm It, which to me is like the ultimate self-love anthem in terms of the songs that I've written. And it actually stemmed from me being really insecure. I remember I was having a really shit day and not knowing how to deal with my problems. And I was at war with myself in my head and I didn't didn't really know what to do or who to turn to. Um, and music ended up really helping me. And the lyrics are kind of a reflection of exactly what I needed to hear at that time. And so the lyrics are like, I don't surrender to fear. I have an agenda to win wake up every morning, tell myself I'm it. So the idea of reinforcing um, self-confidence and, and affirming or, or telling yourself something positive until you believe it. So kind of the idea of having a mantra. Um, and that's really helped with my journey towards self-esteem through my 20s. I think it's always up and down. It's like three steps forward, one step back for me. But I feel like I'm in a much better place now and music has definitely helped bring me to that place, whether it be listening or writing or collaborating. I love that so much. And it is such an anthem, I have to say. It's um, definitely a song that has on my shit days, like you said, it is a journey. There's up and downs. There's different periods of your life. But those days where I do listen to it, I do feel instantly a little bit better. Um, You mentioned that (laughs) it was kind of working as a mantra for you. Like some of the lyrics, like you said, I wake up every morning, tell myself I'm the shit. Um, It's like dating myself. I buy myself gifts. I take myself out. I feel my own tits. Like being able to kind of have those mantras and maybe say them to yourself to say them to yourself in those moments where you are feeling a bit down or low in your self-esteem um how has that helped over the years mm. I think when you are relentlessly positive with anything it will yield really good fruit like whether at the very start you believe what you're telling yourself or not there's a real power in just repeating 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 like being stubborn and persistent and relentless and just not allowing yourself to give in. And and it's really, it's a matter of consistency, as is everything, as is building any type of habit. I believe that a good self-esteem, especially if you've started from a, a place of self-consciousness or shyness or anxiety, self-esteem is a habit. And it's, it's the environments that you put yourself in. It's the people you surround yourself with. It's what you tell yourself every day. And it's the way that you start your morning. So that's why, why I made a point of saying that when I wake up in the morning, that's kind of the hook or like the punchline of the song. And to me, it's really important to start the day like that because it gives you a good foundation and a good kind of energy upon which to like spring from. But definitely renewing the mind for me has been the most pivotal part of my journey for, towards a good self-esteem, I guess. And like catching yourself out when you might have those spiraling thoughts about yourself. And it's like, no, we're not, we're not doing that today. We're not we're saying not doing that. that. Yeah, we're nope. not doing that. No, nope, we're not thinking those thoughts. Um, <laughs> Cover your ears, la 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 la. Yeah, and then just quote, and then quote a lyric from um, "I'm It" by Coda Banks. Uh, Coda, what's your journey been like with um, self-esteem and self-love and dating? Mm, that's a great question. I definitely think the correlation is huge. For the past two years now, I'm in a beautiful relationship, and my man's is amazing. But to get to that point, it took a lot of work within myself. And so, for two years prior to when I started dating my current boyfriend, I was seeing people casually, maybe like on and off, but nothing serious because um, I was really struggling with the way that I 
perceived myself and the way that you see yourself fundamentally of course is going to impact relationships with others so yeah it was it it really took and I think timing is everything and things just work out as they're meant to but I met him at a time where I was just coming into myself and we were friends for like six months first and I think that really helped as well because it built a solid foundation and we got to know each other just purely platonically before we felt like we had to impress one another if you get me but um yeah but I was journaling every day and meditating and reaffirming all of the good that good shit about myself that I needed to hear and um it was only at that point that I started a relationship with him and I think it's been able to be sustained this long because I fuck with myself truly now Oh my god, I love that. Put that on a bloody t-shirt. I fuck with myself. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Seriously, watch this space because I need that on a t-shirt. Okay, so whether it's waking up every morning, telling yourself you're the shit, or looking in the mirror saying, damn, I'm the one, can changing our negative self-chatter in our brains to more positive affirmations about ourselves actually work? Liz says, yeah, but to a certain extent. I think that they're really good as a starting point. And I think that if the first thing you do is identify the negative thoughts, then we can look at replacing those thoughts with something more positive or something more realistic and less biased towards the negative. The, the problem with that kind of cognitive behavioural approach, while it's, it's really effective um, in conjunction with someone that can help you, it's really hard to do on your own um, because we're already believing the negative beliefs about ourselves. So we, we don't want to look at the positive alternative or the more realistic thought because we can get really stuck and we can ruminate on negative things that are going on around us and really only see the negative. So, yes, if if it's possible to really be able to separate out the negative thought, identify what it is and, and look at life and think, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm really just stuck in negativity here and I actually have a, a really great best friend who I know loves me and I love her or him and actually I've got these other people around me and last year I went on a, you know, a, a great trip with this other group of people and then I know that the, there is evidence to suggest that my negative thinking is is biased and and not true, then that's really good. But I think it's really hard to do on your own. So I think that if you get stuck, if you really do get stuck and those cognitive thought challenging exercises don't work, then it's a really good idea to get involved with a therapist or a counsellor who can help with that process or even a friend or someone close to you that can help you see that what you're seeing is not actually representative of the truth of who you are. What are some other things that people could do to try and build up that that self-esteem and self-worth? So uh, knowing what you need, identifying the things that you do want for your life and, and um, having kind of a wellness approach to life. And so being um, able to know, like, these are the things that I want in my life. These are the ways I want to grow. These are the ways I want to have purpose in my life. These are the ways I'm going to look forward to the future. These are the things I'm going to say no to because these are the things that are not good for me. A harm minimization approach to things that are generally not good for us is really important as well. Um, and just being kind, you know, and forgiving and 
make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but the willingness to look back on a mistake and think, right, you know what? I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to reorganize the way I think about things because of this. And I'm not going to give myself a hard time. I'm going to surround myself with good people. And I'm going to look forward to the things that I've made good decisions about for my future. I think that's kind of the holistic approach that we can do to really foster good self-love. Also, if you're in a relationship right now and you've got a partner who's really struggling to see themselves the way that you see them, Liz says there's a lot that you can do to help change that. So the ability to notice things that you appreciate or you admire or you think is just like awesome about the other person is the key and it has to be verbally expressed. So we always think really good things, but particularly as relationships go on, we forget to mention it. So things like, gosh, like I admire that you get up every, you know, second morning and go for a run. Like you're so good at that. I admire that. Or actually, you know what? I've just noticed that you're so good at your business skills. Like you're a, um, you're a creative, but like you actually seem to have a really good business mentality. Like why don't you think about doing your own thing? So the expression of fondness and admiration is the very thing to build up the self-esteem of another person. Okay, so you definitely don't have to love yourself to love someone else because like Liz said, someone can help you learn to love yourself. But everyone's self-worth journey is different. You know, you might be in a relationship, you might be in the middle of a breakup, you might be single, and some days you're going to be feeling yourself and some days you're not. And maybe you might never get there and that's okay. But... I think that what we can take away from this episode is that getting to a place where you can like yourself and accept yourself and learn about yourself, what your values are, what your boundaries are, your needs and how to communicate them better will definitely help you end up in happier and healthier relationships. A big thanks to Sarah for getting in touch and sharing her story. And of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, Let me know if you have a similar situation or any sex relationships or love issues that you need help with. You can hit us on Instagram at Triple J The Hookup and send us a DM or you can shoot us an email at thehookup at abc.net.au. Also, share this podcast with someone that you think might need it. And I'll catch you next time.